The following audio is from Grace Fellowship of Westerville. To learn more about our church, please visit our website at www.gracefcwesterville.org. <clears throat> you can put the lights up a little bit, guys. I got to see my notes from time to time. There you go. All right. There, there are many emotions associated with Christmas, <clears throat> obviously, but, but there's no emotion so characteristic of Christmas as joy. The whole atmosphere of Christmas is joyful, and it has been ever since the angels announced the birth of Jesus Christ to the shepherds in the field around Bethlehem. What is joy? Well, the dictionary defines joy as a vivid emotion of pleasure arising from a sense of well-being or satisfaction, the feeling or state of being highly pleased or delighted. C.S. Lewis entitled his autobiography, Surprised by Joy. He came to the realization that the joy he had known his whole life was not to be compared with the joy that came when he discovered Jesus Christ. You know, all of us can experience joy. We have joy in friendships. We have joy in achievements. We have joy in, in so many things. <clears throat> but our joy never can rise above our humanness. But when we meet Christ, we find an eternal joy, a freeing joy. And true joy is its own unique emotion. And the clear reason for this is that the true joy comes in the uniqueness of an altogether God. So what I want to do this morning is just spend a few minutes and look at the first Christmas. We find joy characterized in the lives of those who participated there. First of all, the angels. The best-known uh, statement of joy is the utterance of the angels to the shepherd in Luke 2, verse 10. The angels said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. But those who announced the joy to the shepherds had themselves first experienced it, which was why they were singing praises to God in the first place. And how do we know this? Well, a little later on in the book of Luke, we hear uh, Luke 15, verse 7, Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents. So here are these angels coming to announce this glorious news. It's happening. He's coming. And the rejoicing that will echo through all of heaven will be when one person comes to Christ. And that expanded to the many. The true joy of a sinner coming to Christ literally echoes through heaven. And this kind of joy unlocks us from the chains of this world that seek to bind us. It is the only true joy that can free us. Secondly, the shepherds. If the rejoicing of the angels was heavenly joy, there was clearly an earthly joy to these humble uh, servants. They might have missed this joy, thinking perhaps that the angels' good news was for someone else, someone more intellectual or someone who was more deserving of it. But they did not make that mistake. Instead of dismissing the message as intended for people other than themselves, they hurried to Bethlehem, saw the baby, 
and then returned to their sheep, glorifying and praising God for what they had seen and what they had been told. And Luke 2 verse 12 says, And this will be a sign. This is what the angel came to them. This will be a sign. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Now, what was the sign? Well, it's interesting. It is said that the shepherds were probably Levitical shepherds, that they were raising sheep for the sacrifice. And one of the things these shepherds used to do is when the sheep was ready to give birth, they would usher him into the shepherd's cave, and as soon as the sheep was born, they would swaddle him. They would wrap him up and swaddle him to protect him because the sacrificial lamb was to be without spot or, or blemish. And so when the angel said to them, this will be a sign, you will find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes. I think they understood that the Savior was here, the true sacrifice. And so they get this revelation from the angel that they will find this baby, and their joy is just riveted to them. Perhaps... The simple circumstance was also very critical to these shepherds and a major reason for their joy. I mean, if you think about it, if the Savior had been born in a palace, they probably would have been stopped at the door and not let in. Perhaps if they had gone to the inn, they would have been turned away like Mary and Joseph were. But he had been born where any person could come to him. However humble their circumstances or disadvantaged their life might be, that is still true today. And it is the reason for true joy because Jesus Christ today is readily accessible to all of us. Consider Mary. Imagine the joy of Mary. Consider what the Bible says about childbirth. John 16, 21, when a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for the joy that a human being has been born into that world. We certainly got to see that firsthand this week as our little grandson was born. You see the anguish and the pain and all that, but once you see him, the joy is, is just overwhelming. And if this is true of the birth of nearly every child, how much greater must the joy of Mary have been when she gave birth to the one she knew would be the Savior? Being a godly woman, the scripture says in Luke 2.19, but Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. <clears throat> what an amazing thing for Mary to experience that kind of amazing joy. And what about Joseph? Joseph tends to be the forgotten person, doesn't he? Uh, because all the attention is on the mother and the child. But Joseph must have been overcome with joy as well. His would have been an awesome joy because for, for one reason, you recall, he thought Mary had been unfaithful. He was going to put her away privately, divorce her, because they were betrothed to each other. So the amazing joy when he finds out that that's not the case at all, but not only that, that this was a special child. And so Matthew chapter 1, verses 20 and 21 says, But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, 
Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Amazing joy for Joseph. Now, this brings us to the next very important observation. And it is probably the single most important thing to you and I today from our perspective. The verse says, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Have you ever thought about that explicitly before? The joy the angel was announcing was not to be confined to a select few, the shepherds or Mary or Joseph or even the wise men. It was for all people. After the birth of the child, when his parents took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, according to Exodus 13:2, aged old Simeon took the child. And in Luke 2, verse 32, we're told that he lifted it up and he said, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory to your people Israel. This stands at the beginning of the story. And later on at the end, we find the same emphasis being told. Jesus is speaking to the disciples, giving them a command for world evangelism. And in Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20, it says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. From the beginning to the end, it was recognized that the good news of great joy was not to be restricted to one people or to one race, but was for all nations. And for all of us here this morning, that message is for us. That glorious joy of Christmas that started so many years ago has been given to all of us if we would take it and embrace it. So this brings us to the obvious point then, Jesus is our joy. This point, which I've already mentioned several times, is the main point we need to understand on Christmas. It is true that the joy of Christmas is for everybody, for Jew and Gentile, high and low, educated, uneducated, sophisticated, and simple. But this does not mean that the joy of Christmas is everybody's, even less that it can be found in any other place. This joy is the joy of Christmas, and this means that it is bound to and is utterly inseparable from Jesus Christ. He is the only source of true joy. Joy has this similarity in both the Old and the New Testament. Psalm 35, verse 9 says, Then my soul will rejoice in the Lord, exalting in his salvation. Psalm 43, 4, Then I will go to the altar of God, to the God of, of my exceeding joy, and I will praise you with the lair of oh God, my God. 
Philippians 3.1, finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. And probably one of the greatest verses on joy, Romans 5.11, more than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. The immense joy of Christmas is not just a cute story about wishing that things would be better, that someone could take care of the problems. The true message of Christmas is that God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The reality for you and I is to know that God so loves you that he made a way for you to escape sin. He made a way for you to escape the problems of this world and knowing that one day when he comes, you will be with him forever. If you're here this morning and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, you've never understood the full body of what this means, oh, it's easy to look at the world and and educate ourselves on what happens around the world and think we understand how everything works, But God is the creator. He's outside of everything. And he works all things according to his purpose. And my prayer is that you would find that truth this Christmas if you don't have it yet. But also for Christians that we might be renewed in our strength, renewed in our understanding, renewed in our commitment to Christ to experience that great joy. It's very obvious that many Christians don't experience full joy because we're still trying to get through life in our own means, in our own ways. But Christ is the only joy. Joy is focused in Jesus because he has achieved our salvation. Joy is intensified in Christ because he has accomplished what the Old Testament times was only anticipated. Do you have true joy this morning. I pray that this Christmas would not be just another Christmas of presents and lights and good food and everything else, but that it would be a Christmas of utter joy as you understand the reality of Christ in your own life. And how fitting it is to think about his birth and then celebrate his death, the reason he came. He came a beautiful baby in a manger with a wonderful story. But his purpose was fulfilled 33 years later when he went to that cross. And as we prepare our hearts right now for this communion, and we consider the body that was broken, the blood that was shed to purchase our salvation, I would like to ask you to just meditate on your own life your true joy, what Christ is to you. Is he everything? Is he your true joy? Is he at the foundation of all you do? As Lois comes to sing a song, I'd like us all to just bow our heads and just go to the Lord and ask him to speak to us about our own hearts. And we'll do that as the men come forward.
Father, as we come to you now, we rejoice in a love so great that you would be willing to allow your son to come to earth, take on the form of a servant, and die so that we wouldn't have to. I pray, Lord, now as we begin this precious time of communion, that you would touch our hearts and draw us close. Speak to us now, Lord, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. For I received from the Lord what also I delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, this is my body which is for you, do this in remembrance of me.
In the same way, also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant of my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. At this time, we will begin our candlelight portion. I have you just sit where you are and we'll have the candles lit. If you all stand, we'll sing three verses of Silent Night.
Father, we rejoice that the Savior is born. And not only is he born, but he now sits at your right hand, ever living to make intercession for us. And Lord, I pray that this Christmas, the reality of that relationship would grow, become more powerful, more real, more sustaining through our lives, and that we would realize afresh that we exist for your glory and that our lives might radiate the amazing grace that now lives in all who have trusted you as Savior. I pray that you would be with us as we leave this morning to take this Christmas spirit with us. I pray as we go to the activity center for a few minutes of fellowship and food that you would bless our time together. But ultimately, Lord, be glorified in all who are here today. And all God's people said, amen. amen. God bless.